episode 57, When Crisis Creeps Into the Classroom. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educator's podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, elite educators, this is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. And whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. I'm here to empower you to reach your potential, and I refer to you often as elite because only someone who is elite would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast like this to help hone your craft. I want to start by thanking you all who tune in each week. The reviews continue to come in, and they are so thoughtful. I really appreciate you taking time to go on to iTunes and subscribe and leaving a star rating with some feedback there. Today's shout-out goes to Kim Tuda, who left a review stating motivating. And she says, as an ESL, EFL teacher for most of the last decade, it's almost a given that I fluctuate between love it, hate it, love to hate it, and hate to love it constantly. It's so helpful and comforting to hear these podcasts that put the magnifying glass on the reality of being in education. Gretchen is so easy to relate to, and I feel like we're sitting around the kitchen table chatting as I listen. Thanks so much, Gretchen. Well, Kim, thank you so much for taking time to stop on by and leave a rating and a review. I love that you're an ESL teacher. They are very close to home. That is my current group of teachers that I am coaching. Absolutely love those kids and those teachers to death. But you're right. I do try and take some of these topics and really put that magnifying glass, as you said, on what is truly happening and not just talk about all the philosophy and all the fluff, but get down and dirty with what's really happening. But I really appreciate you feel like we're just sitting around the kitchen table chatting because that's what I have tried so hard to make sure that this is personable and that you're not just listening to someone talk, that you really feel like you're in an engaged conversation with them. So again, thanks so much for dropping by and letting me know what you think. Today, I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by talking about the impact we as educators have during times of crisis if we're just brave enough to embrace the opportunity, as horrific as it may be. So hang on. This is going to be one empowering ride. This podcast episode was pretty hard to write, honestly, because I'm usually pretty silent about politics and current events, specifically what's happening in our nation in terms of crisis the last few years. But things have developed to the point now where I can't keep my nose to the grindstone. You know, I'm focusing on education and trying to tune out what's happening around me. Because after all, you know, what happens in the classroom is actually majorly affected by what happens outside of the classroom. And I think we're all fine with that as long as the topic isn't too touchy or personal. But isn't that what we're here for? to develop our children to be the best version of themselves so that they can go out into the world and make an impact. And we can't do that if there is a barrier that exists and the children have to not only face that but then overcome it. And they can't do that successfully if we never talk about the elephant in the room. You know, it's like readying for battle without ever talking about 
what it's really going to be like. And well, that's not going to work out well in the end. And I started thinking about what is currently going on. And although I don't have my own classroom, I often think, you know, what would I do if this was occurring and I had a class of kids and it brought me back to when 9-11 occurred. So during my first year of teaching, 9-11 came around and I wanted to speak about it. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, but when I was in high school and 9-11 occurred, I was in Connecticut and a lot of the parents of the students in the high school worked in New York City and just commuted in from Connecticut. It's quite popular to do, much more manageable to live outside of the city. And so our school closed down because a lot of kids had parents who worked in the World Train Center and worked downtown nearby. And so they just dismissed us to go home with our families. And, you know, obviously cell service was turned off. And really we didn't know anything but what the news was sharing with us. And so that was kind of real close to my heart. And I think maybe the kids in Charlotte hadn't heard about it. Um, But because it meant a lot to me, I wanted to really prepare my kids and let them know, hey, this happened. This is part of history. And we shouldn't be ashamed or feel like we can't bring it up. I don't want you to ever hear about it later and say, why didn't nobody tell me? I would feel too guilty being your teacher and not fully educating you. And some parents were pretty mad that I explained it and I read them a book about it and I showed them newspaper clippings from my hometown of what had happened. And, you know, the kids were stunned and There were certain images, of course I didn't share, they were third graders, but I did want to provide the facts, and they were just so curious as to why would someone do that. And we spent that whole year learning about character motivation and literacy, and so that kind of set the stage for, you know, what motivates someone to do this, and how do we protect our community, and and how do we communicate with other people, how do we work together, how do we make people feel valued, and so it really actually became the cornerstone for our classroom philosophy, and who we were going to be as a classroom family, and I found it 100% worth it, but even more importantly, really gratifying to see students grow up in front of my eyes, giving them this delicate topic and really dissecting it so that they could understand. And because they weren't emotionally connected to it, they were able to really just look at the facts and develop their own opinions and, you know, kind of get fired up about certain things. And and I understand, you know, I'm not a parent, but I understand that some parents want to control what their kids hear. And if it's not in the school curriculum, they don't necessarily want it taught. They want to be able to share, you know, bits and pieces And I get that. Um, And so moving forward, I always let parents know this was coming. And if you don't want your kid in the discussion, you know, I can remove them, put them somewhere else. And for the most part, parents were on board. There were a few that really were very protective. And I could almost know ahead of time who they were going to be based on their interactions so far, trying to be so protective of their kids. But every time that discussion just grew these kids up so much as they learned about the world around them, and that kind of anchored where the year went. I mean, the kids constantly would bring back in 9-11 into any discussion we were having. And that, to me, was a teachable moment of what an important life lesson that can have an impact on somebody when you allow them to be part of the discussion and stop hiding things from them. I certainly wouldn't show them a horrific graphic, but I would kind of walk them through, you know, here's what happened, then this happened, then this happened, kind of emotionless. 
and they were able to handle it and they were able to really connect with it and draw from it throughout the year. And so I think it's important that we stop keeping these instances quiet. You know, we just had recently the Charleston church massacre and being in the Carolinas, Charleston's really close. So these kids have been there. They've taken field trips there. They have family there. You know, everyone's very familiar with it. And parents were livid that we wanted to bring this discussion into the classroom. And again, I get that they want to control what information is passed down. But to be honest, I feel like so much inaccurate information is out on social media. The kids are going to see something. And I'd rather the classroom be the place where all the accurate information is given, whether we're doing research articles, we're having a debate, or they're just formulating their own decisions based on what the news is broadcasting. But it's important that there's this one place you can come to count on for information so that you can go out and make your own decisions and have your own opinion rather than surfing Facebook and hearing a rant from somebody and getting on their team and getting all fired up to find out they were missing half of what actually happened. And again, a great lesson for that motivation. You know, what makes people act and through literacy, and I keep referencing that because I taught literacy and social studies together for most of my career, towards the end at least, it really helps students understand behaviors. And when we would start having instances in the classroom where kids weren't getting along, they would bring that stuff back up. Like, oh, like the guy at the Charleston shooting, or oh yeah, like the pilot of the plane in 9-11. I mean, they just start really connecting these real world examples. It's so powerful. But more importantly, I want nothing but the best for my kids. And I want them to go out into the world informed. And the worst thing that I can do is shelter them in a way that they go out in this bubble and they're not prepared and the world hits them in the face. I certainly will be cautious about which details I give, just like I think parents are really concerned about. But at the same time, when you present the facts without kind of this emotional spin and without the visual, it really helps students dissect and better understand you know, why are these things happening and what can I do in my own community to make things better? And then most recently in Charlotte, we've had LGBTQ riots and we've had marches. And parents just don't think it's our place to discuss those events. And I think that's because that particular group of people makes some citizens very uncomfortable. And so they don't want that topic in schools. If educators aren't approaching it is, here's my opinion, here's what I think, here's what I stand for, and they say, here was this event, here were these people who believed XYZ, here are these people on this side who believed XYZ, and this is what happened, and you allow the kids to just talk about it. It really helps them understand what is really happening around them and where do they fit into that. And then they can go home and say, hey, mom or dad, what do you think about this? And then they can have that dialogue and say, I don't want you to believe this or I don't want you to think this or I don't want you to be part of this. And that's that personal piece. But I think as an educator, it's our job to inform the kids and and tie it into the curriculum because these things are affecting our future and our kids are our future. So the worst thing I can do is pretend this stuff never happened, send my kid out to apply for a job or, you know, take on their future and they have no background knowledge of what has been happening in the world for the last decade or two. And then I want them to suddenly utilize their talents to make the world a better place. 
when they're not prepared to do so. They don't have any knowledge of the history of what's been happening except the textbook that we've been studying that is like generations ago and so much has changed since then and we have so many other current issues that we really need to grapple with and you know when election season comes up this fall I mean kids are going to be saying my parents are voting for so-and-so so I'm going to vote and you want to almost say okay share with me one issue that this person stands for you know not that I care who you vote for I just want it to be an informed vote I want you to be able to speak about why you really like someone versus they're part of this party or because I like the way they look I like their name or my parents like them I really want you to say I like that they say this or you know as a future student going to college they believe this and that is really something that benefits me so my vote would go here and in the classroom in third grade we voted I mean they weren't able to go to the official ballot but we did and kids had to write why and they really struggled because they just did whatever everyone else was doing and they really just didn't know and so as all these crises are occurring with you know Black Lives Matter and the police force all I want is our kids to be informed and I want teachers to not shy away from discussing these events in a neutral place with factual information so that students can start being prepared for the world they're about to enter into. They're going to be crowded from social media with so much misinformation that the worst thing we can do is just allow that to be the only way that they formulate opinions and try and understand other people. And you would think that if a teacher was showcasing this information you know in an appropriate way that matches the developmental age of the child the parent would be happy that the teachers kind of orchestrating this healthy dialogue and researching around history especially things happening in our hometown but there are a lot of parents that are just not okay with it and I don't know that I can fight that battle but what I can say is I'm going to do this it's tied to the curriculum if the topic is you're uncomfortable with, then here's the slip. Please sign it. I'll put them in another class for the 30, 45 minutes. But I don't want to shortchange everybody else because of a few parents. And I think it's my duty to let parents know, hey, FYI, this is on the docket. I want you to have plenty of time to discuss with your spouse or just make your own decision if you want your child to be part of it. And many times they say, oh, that's so interesting. What tell me more about it and so I'll share with them my lesson plan or share with them guiding questions and I think they're they get excited and like a few parents have even said can I come yeah absolutely you know I want it to be a safe place for anyone to be able to learn and grow and talk so if you want to be part of it come on and ignoring the problems that are happening around us is just not working and I promise I will never take a stand and make a child believe what I do but I will ensure that they have all the facts so that they can create their own opinion and that that way they can be part of the solution and all these instances I've been mentioning are not just here and gone they linger forever and one day our kids are gonna have to be involved and whether they want to be or not and I'd rather have the informed child rather than some confused angry misinformed one when I taught fifth grade, we had to teach Phlebas. It's like the Sex 101 course. Oh my gosh, nothing worse than having to do that. Uh, but parents didn't want their kids sitting in, in the class. And I hate to tell you that, but at least at our school, those kids were running around acting in adult ways without understanding the adult consequences. I mean, I had a fifth grader who was pregnant, numerous students partaking in these adult activities 
uh, lucky enough not to have a permanent outcome like that one fifth grader, but I can't say that they were really aware of like health concerns um, and the ramifications of their in the moment decisions. And it was so frustrating to me. I understand that it's uncomfortable, but if you're not going to have the conversation and you don't want them to have the conversation in school, then let's set up an appointment with a counselor and it can be one-on-one and you could be there. Your kid has got to know if this stuff's happening, then they have to have the conversation. You can't just keep waiting and say, well, I'll have it when they're 16. No, if they're acting like that now and that's what the social pressure is and that's what their friends are doing, the conversation has just been upgraded a few years and it's important that you, I know it's uncomfortable. I don't even want to do it either, but they have questions. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, you know, one of my kids asked me, like, can you get pregnant from kissing? And although that's kind of funny, it's like that's how much they don't know. But here they are acting in such ways, but they really don't even understand biologically what is occurring, you know, why historically this is an occurrence. And it's important that we just give them the facts. And so we've split up the guys, we split up the girls, we explained anatomy, and we talked and answered any questions that they had. And if something were, you know, pro-abortion or birth control or something, and we were taught, you know, we're just, we just teach abstinence. That's just the way the curriculum is. You can make your own decision. So just like I'm saying with all these other crises, as long as they have the facts and you keep your personal opinion out of it, then I think that that child is now informed and ready to leave the world. And as much as there was giggling and uncomfortableness, they left thinking like, oh God, I had no idea. I now understand my body. I feel comfortable in my body. And I'm kind of like freaked out now or (laughs) I have a lot more questions and that's what we say like this is enough to get you by this is the education of what it is and if you have other questions then you can feel free to continue the conversation with your mom or there's a school nurse or a counselor or whatever you know I wasn't going to sit back as much as I was like begging to be absent on that day so I didn't have to have those discussions but I'm not going to close my eyes and say it's not happening you know, especially when I had a kid who had to run out of the nurse, get tested for HIV AIDS, you know, and other diseases, and then one that had to get removed to go to an alternative school because she had to learn home ec and how to raise a baby and get prenatal care at age 10. You know, yes, this was just my school and could have been my district. Regardless, that was the situation I was in and as uncomfortable as I was and I didn't want to talk about it, I needed to. My kids needed it. And I know this is kind of an extreme example, but out of all these other crises happening in the world, our kids are getting exposed to it. And instead of allowing them to just flip through MTV and get whatever skewed view of the crisis there or just chat with their friends or flip through social media, Instagram and and Facebook and try and piece it all together. I mean, out of good conscience, I couldn't allow my students to do that. As an educator, I have to say, you know what, I'm going to be part of the solution by sharing this information with my students. I'm going to let the parents know. They'll have plenty of warning, but we're going to have this discussion. I'm going to tie it to standards, and I'm going to really allow the the students to grow up here and, and say, this is a hard topic to discuss. You may feel uncomfortable, and if you feel uncomfortable, you are free to go get water, use the restroom, and just excuse yourself. 
but I want you to know the facts. I want you to know what's happening, and I want us to start brainstorming how we can make our community a better place. And I'm just seeing the same ignorance playing out and the violence in today's world. I mean, we want kids to be kids, so we want to protect them from all this hate, but these kids are actually the answer. And the best thing that we can do as adults is just present the facts, allow the students to ask questions, and be available as they're experiencing new emotions. You may say, okay, for 30 minutes on Tuesday, I'm having this discussion, but let me tell you, they're going to come back a couple days later after they've processed, and they're going to have questions, and they're going to want to discuss this during class changes or recess, and maybe even years to come. I still have kids coming back and visiting me and asking me particular questions because they felt safe, and they felt that relationship with me that she's not going to give me information that's not correct or she's not going to force me to believe what she does but she's going to show all the sides of the coin and I can do with it what I want and if it means we need permission slips so that we can provide rigorous instruction that's relevant to today's world then be it but I'm no longer going to stand on the sidelines teaching current events in faraway places you know when when things at home are disastrous and need to be addressed You know, my students have been to jail. They've been held up at gunpoint. They have had children as children, and they've been victims of numerous hate crimes, all because where they live and the environment that they're ill-prepared to survive in. And they've got questions, so we have got to provide the answers, or at least help them think through their own answers. We've got to welcome crisis into the classroom. That way we can make this world a better place. So go out and attend a PD on social-emotional intelligence or attend some on crisis management or just get with your social worker or counselor at your school and find out child-friendly ways to address some difficult subjects. But it's your duty to be informed on how to help your students and ways that they need. And right now it's on understanding the hatred that is swirling around them. We've got to band together. We've got to start the conversations among professionals We're all so afraid to speak out that we're going to offend someone that has a different belief or that our stance is going to silence them, but it's really not. You can be eloquent in stating your thoughts and still be respected in the workplace by people who disagree with you. But what is most important here is you take action. Do something to be part of the change. Get your class involved in volunteering in the community or model cultural awareness and respect. And when you show kids that they have a talent that can be a blessing to someone else, they start to step off their pedestal and they start humanizing the world from a viewpoint of we versus me, me, me. Go check out all children's books on difficult topics You could stimulate debates, you could provide research articles on past similar events, and really get kids thinking about the real stuff that's happening. And if you don't teach reading or social studies, you know, find ways to plug it into the curriculum. Maybe if you're teaching math, you've got historical word problems to solve, or science, you can look at the evolution of, I don't know, the impact that human decisions have on the environment. Just get creative, tie it in, and if it doesn't fit then dang, just take five minutes at the end of class and get real. Your kids won't forget it, and you'll spark an interest in them to ask hard questions and to also take action. Kids are hellions on the internet these days, and if they start to see the real ramifications of hate in their own communities, they may start thinking twice about the power of their words and redirecting that boredom they feel or that desire to fit in, you know, in more productive ways. So please, 
please, please don't remain silent. Regardless of who you vote for this fall or who you think is to blame in the violence, just educate yourself on all the facts, get the discussion going with our youth, and start being part of the solution. That doesn't mean go change your Facebook photo for just a week or talk about it with friends. It means really getting off your butt and getting out in the community to do something regardless of how small. That way you're part of the change. You know, raise money or donate your time or pray with strangers or contact your local authorities in government for change. It's really getting worse out there and teachers can do so much in the classroom to prevent and educate our children so that they're not just another casualty or worse part of the problem. Well, I appreciate you listening to my heavy heart. I'm thinking of all of us at this time because we have all been affected in both large and small ways. God bless. All right, Ellie educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on empowering you to welcome crisis into the classroom so we can service the whole child. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to EduPodcast.com. Network.com for more details.